Welcome to episode 271 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. My kindergartner is learning sight words in school right now, and the teacher sent home some worksheets to practice. I don't remember what it was like to learn to read and hadn't much thought about the process until this year. Each night, we practice after dinner, and even our four-year-old has started to join us, even though he's a year and a half away from going to kindergarten. To him, learning is fun, and he's not daunted by it being difficult. He's definitely memorized a lot of sight words, and now he's learning how to sound out short words. Some nights, he's totally focused and seems like he's about to read a novel to us. Other nights, he's tired and just says random words. He is four, and this up and down learning process is completely normal. At some point in our lives, we master the basics of life, know how to take care of ourselves, can do our job, and generally have confidence in making it through an average day. Fast forward to 55, 62, or 67 years old. For the last 20 plus years, we were recognized as experts in our field. We are filled to the brim with experience and know-how. How strange would it be at that point in our lives to be a novice again? How uncomfortable would it be to ask for help, not even knowing what words to use to explain the help we were seeking? How very odd to feel like we are starting at square one when we've lived a full life and we are not four years old. I've often been asked why my ideal clients are inspiring women in their 50s and beyond and a few awesome men. The short answer is my ideal clients found me, but the reason I love working with them is I can recognize their desire to make a big impact with all that they've learned in life. And I know that starting something new and novel after 50 isn't easy. That's why I say inspiring because I am truly inspired by my clients. Your challenge for this week. While it's not easy to be a beginner again, it doesn't have to be hard either. Here are a few ways I can support you right now. One, I'm hosting another pop-up Q&A mastermind this month. It's a $200 live virtual small group two-hour Q&A session to support you in creating your own list of likely prospects who already know, like, and trust you. The requirement is that before you attend, you start following steps in the Wake Up Your Network workbook so you have questions to ask. This is limited to eight participants. If you're interested, fill out this application, robbysamuels.com forward slash pop up app. That's robbysamuels.com forward slash P-O-P-U-P-A-P-P. Two, a couple of weeks ago, I hosted a day-long idea to offer workshop so we could dig into the strategies in small list, big results, launch a successful offer, no matter the size of your email list. I'm making the replay video and slides available so you can set aside time on your own to do the exercises. It's $100 to access this, or for $250, you can both access this and the pop-up Q&A mastermind. Learn more and sign up at robbysamuels.com forward slash workshop replay. And finally, three. 
with becoming competent and confident using Zoom, online facilitation, and virtual event design help you stop putting off launching? If you'll be using Zoom for trainings or to run your online course, mastermind, or group coaching program, becoming a certified virtual event professional would definitely be a differentiator. The next cohort of the 5% Advantage program will kick off in the April-May timeframe. You can learn more about this four-plus-week intensive at the5percentadvantage.com. That's the5percentadvantage.com. Now, before we dive into this week's interview, I'm just so excited to say that we are celebrating this month the two-year anniversary of No More Bad Zoom Virtual Happy Hours. And this is an event that I've held every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern since March 13th, 2020. It's a free event, so I hope you'll make an effort to join us over the next couple of weeks to help us mark the occasion. Whether it's been ages since you've attended or this will be your first time, we would love to see you. Learn more about what happens at this event and register, and again, it's free, at nomorebadzoom.com. Now, on to this week's interview. Today's guest's mission is to open event leaders' minds and hearts to the possibility within them. She's a two-times TEDx speaker and host of the popular podcast, From Fear to Fire. She stimulates vibrant energy, focus, and action for those who want to collaborate effectively, lead change, and achieve massive results. She's an international speaker, behavioral expert, author of several books, including Where's the Office? Moving Today's Leaders from What Is to What Can Be. With expertise in virtual, hybrid, and live events, as well as her focus on helping individuals and companies break through fears, judgments, and blocks to reach sales and leadership success, her innovative keynotes are in high demand during these changing times. Please join me in welcoming Heather Hansen O'Neill. Thank you, Robbie. So nice to be here with you. Heather, thanks for joining us from Surfside Beach, South Carolina. Uh, love having you here. I love that we've been collaborating in different ways over the last few months. So as you know, the, the context of the show is networking, but specifically leadership within that. So let's kick things off. How do you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Mm, okay. So I would say how I define leadership is the ability to lead oneself in a way that comes from character and showing up so that it inspires and energizes other people, not necessarily to follow, but to be better leaders themselves. Um, because I think that our, our goal is not to get a bunch of followers, you know, even though that may not be the same on social media, um, but, but it's to help people become better versions of themselves. And that's how I see leadership. And, you know, when you're asking about when I realized that I had the skills, I guess there are two different ways that I would answer that because there was the time that I realized that I could be a leader of people. And then the time that I realized that I was a thought leader. And so they were different times. So the leader of people was when um, years ago, when I was in a, a role of executive director and I, I had the habit of asking my team for their opinions, their perspectives. What do you think about this? How would you solve this? 
And when they would come back to me in surprise and joy that really you, you, you want my opinion, you, you care because we come from the world of people telling us what to do and us doing it. And if we don't do it the way that it was supposed to be done, then we get in trouble. You, you really want to know what we think. And I really wanted to know what they think. And I knew that their answers were helping to solve problems that I couldn't solve alone. And so I think that's part of leadership. And that's when I sat with it thinking, you know what? I guess I'm, I'm okay at this because they're happy. <laughs> We're getting better solutions. So it was a win-win all along. And then the other one was actually more recently. Um, several years ago, I was doing an interview where I was being interviewed. And uh, the, the person who was interviewing me had given me some questions that they were going to ask. And then during the interview, didn't ask a single one of them and asked all different questions. And the flow was so, you know, it was just, it was great. It was just so, so natural. And, and I realized after that show, I'm sitting there thinking, I know this. It's, you know, it's where, it's where it becomes clear that it, it's become a part of you. It's not, it's not a show. It's not, you know, oh, I, I, I've plotted this out. I've planned this and it's got to be perfect. No, it's, it's a part of me now. And so those are two different times that I, I would, you know, I kind of draw attention to. I love this. I love that I've been, uh, Heather, I've been doing this show now five and a half years. And I, I love when people come at this at a different angle than has been already shared. I've never had someone talk about it as a difference between leading others, leading people and, and thought leadership. So I really appreciate that, that distinction. And I'm going to get back to that in a second. But when you were talking about your definition, you were talking about leading self mm -hmm. so that you inspire others to either be following you, but also to become better leaders themselves. Yeah. And I love this ripple effect that you're like you, the image that comes to my mind. It's, it's that, um, it's sort of like there's the rock that gets tossed into the water that creates the ripple. But what if some of those ripples create more ripples in new, new configurations and you end up with lots mm -hmm. of circles of, of, you know, um, vibrating out energy. Like it just, it's just it such is. a cool visual to like, think I about love that. I use that visual a lot, Robbie. And I'm so glad that it, it came to mind for you because that's what we do. And we don't, you know, we're, you and I, we're probably lucky where people do, send us notes of appreciation, right? They may, they may reach out and say, Hey, you know what? Something you said made a difference for me or something that you did made me look at something in a different capacity. So we're lucky, but not everyone gets that. And we don't get the times that it happens. It can be as simple as, you know, doing the right thing in a situation and not even realizing that a child is watching and, and that they then program that they want to be able to do that or something like that mm -hmm. in the future, that they want to show up in that way. And there's so many times that everybody out there does this. They lead themselves in a way that makes a difference and they will never know the ripples. And that's kind of cool too, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's part of our legacy where it's part of the impact we're having on the world. And, I, and this distinction between leading others, leading people, which we've talked about a lot in the show, and then this moment when you realize you're a thought leader. And I think I've had many moments around that in the last 10 years where like the thing that I know, I know so well, but like 
I, I mean, my joke, I had this talk that I did for years called Art of the Schmooze. And I mean, I did it for 10 years and I would joke, you want to hear it? <laughs> like right now? I, I like, want to hear it right now. Like right now. Like I would yeah. be like, all right, let's go. Because I, I just knew it. I was like, how, how long do I have? My only question, <laughs> like three <laughs> days or 30 minutes. You tell me. <laughs> I think that's that, that moment that you kind of, wow, like I'm comfortable and I know that I, I, I know what I know and I don't need to plan it all out. I don't need to like, mm-hmm. you know, be, yeah, scripted. I think that's a really interesting moment. And, and I think a lot of people don't give themselves enough credit yes. for achieving that level of, I guess, almost comfort with their own knowledge and then with their own, um, here's the value I bring. I don't have any apologies for the fact that I know these things. I just do. I just know these things. I've earned it and now I can share it. And, and there's something that happens energetically in a human who gets there, right? And it is this, this confidence that is a very positive confidence. It doesn't broach into any um, element of, I know more than you. It's, I know who I am. And if you want to know something, I'll be here for you, but I'm not going to overshare it. Like I just comfortable in your own skin. And you know this, when you come across somebody like that, you know, because you feel their energy and it, and it's attractive energy, right? It draws you to them. Can you, can you think of somebody that that, like you have that, right? So there's certain people who have that and and you're, you're drawn to them. And when people, your listeners start to feel that. And like you said, they have it probably more than they realize that they have that. And when they sit with that and embrace it and are okay with it, then amazing things will happen. Yeah. I think it's the moment where you stop trying to prove yourself, right? Yes. You just show up because you know, you can, I want to dig a little further back. This is one of my favorite parts of the show is the fact that we get to understand not just who people are today, but where they came from. So Mm. You know, given the sense of, of leadership that you described earlier, um, let's talk about where this comes from and not just when you first realized it, but the earlier origins of who you are, like when you, when you're on the playground, when you were in, in high school, like what, what were you like then? Were you organizing groups of kids? Were you running for office? Were you kind of <laughs> quiet and studious? What, what were you like? How did you show up? Oh my gosh. You know, I, I was all of who I am now, but to, unfortunately, I mean, full disclosure here to the nth degree, meaning that my evolution was almost a toning down. And here's why, you know, when you grow up in an environment and no blame anywhere along the way, that um, is maybe just a time in our lives, you know, in the world where um, children are to be seen, not heard, um, you know, the voice is really to the adults, the authority, and and not so much to the to the children, right? I just wanted someone to hear my voice, so so I would do crazy things. I would just be like a nut job to get attention, right? So I I see like that, that it, where it comes from and why it was there. I also see why I needed to calm myself down because <laughs> you can't go around in the world just saying, Hey, listen to me, listen to me, because nobody wants to listen to that person ever. Right. But it's finding your place. 
Right. And that, that going back, I guess, to that comfort in, in the skin, which is why it was so obvious for me, it's because I never had it before. Right. And that's why I think it was obvious for me. Um, but I, I had, um, I had an interesting upbringing. And so I used that energy that I had. I used that exuberance for life that I had and that voice in a way that you wouldn't expect. So my voice was my body. So I started my first um, career was that of a, a professional dancer. And so I expressed, I learned to express myself without my voice first and to find ways um, to challenge myself, to discipline myself, to, to um, sometimes control, meaning that, you know, when you're doing ballet, it's much more controlled than when you're doing jazz and to understand the boundaries and where you can let loose and where you need to hold tight. And so I learned so much about myself and about the world through dance. And, and the thing that I think I had take away more into what I do now than anything is the strong desire that I had to make people feel something, to help them find that thing within them that they, um, that they can connect to, that they can love, that they can enjoy. And you can do that through dance. And you can also do that through speaking and you can do that through coaching and you can do that in your connections and your networking. I love this through line that you've now found looking back that probably wasn't there throughout the whole journey. Mm -mm. Um, but in retrospect, you can, you can you know, connect the dots and see that through line. Um, and this this sort of toning down or mellowing um, as you got a little older and realized uh, that you want to be effective, right? That there's there's wanting to be right and there's wanting to be effective. And so at some point you're like, well, all right, this may not work with everybody. Let me see how I can be more effective. Um, but those antics when you were trying to be you know seen and heard and 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 known when you were younger, were there any people, any adults that were sort of um, you know attracted to that in the sense that they they saw, they saw what you were trying to do and they wanted to nurture you becoming more of you. Was there someone who, you know, you could think of that really appreciated you and kind of gave you any kind of guidance about that channeling? Maybe you didn't want to hear it at the time, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had, when I think back to it now, yes, 100%. Um, there were people that really liked certain aspects of it. So when I, when I gave myself over to dance, I ended up becoming quite good at it. I did it for a living for many years. And so there were people who liked that. Oh, well, she's good at it. So I can associate with that. Um, but not still liking how I was feeling about it, liking me, right? They liked what I could do, not who I am, regardless of what, regardless of what I can do, right? And so, um, but I came across some people who encouraged me. And like you said, maybe did some things or said some things that I didn't necessarily like in the moment, but encouraged me to dig deeper and to, and to be accepting of me and all elements of me. And that, that dark side that is actually um, the depth that brings balance to the, the energy, right? So you need, you need that balance. For me, I needed that balance and I needed somebody to tell me, hey, go deeper, right? It's not about out here, up there. It's about, it's about going deeper within you and then you will be able to be better. Sounds and like I, a bit I about grounding too. Yes, yes. Being, like being a little more grounded 
and self, which is also how I think of you today, like that grounded in self, like that's this interesting journey you've been on. I think there are some listeners probably who are really um, recognizing themselves in this story, which is why I love to hear sort of the, the, the storyline, because when we see people who are fully formed today, you know, we just think, wow, there's a successful person, period. And we don't, we don't know how we can get from where we are to where they are, because it seems so unattainable. And so when people sort of share these little bits, it's like, oh, I could latch onto that. I can recognize this piece and this piece. When you were in high school and heading into college, did you go to college after high school? Was that part of the plan? Um, okay. So I had a convoluted journey. So I was actually offered four college, full college scholarships to some lofty schools because I got both an academic scholarship and a dance scholarship. And then I was also offered a job touring with a dance company. And because of what um, the, the limited longevity of dance, I chose to dance. And yeah, and I, I gave up and I cannot even tell you the amount of harassment and, and flack that I get. You are never going to go. This is the dumbest thing you've ever done. You're never going to go back to college. You're not going to make anything of yourself. You can't make a, a living as a dancer. You may have gotten this one job, but you're not going to get other ones after that. What are you doing? How could you be giving this up? And I just, this was the first time that I, I guess I had that, that conviction because I knew that if, if I wanted to go back to college, that I would go back to college and I would do it on my own terms. And I ended up doing that. Now, of course, it meant that I had to pay for it and that it was a, a much longer journey. And after I finished my dance career, I did go back and I got my degree, but not because anyone ever asked me for it. They never asked me, hey, can I see your diploma? Can I see your degree? What's your degree in? What school is it? Is it from? Oh, it's business. Oh, great. No, they never asked. I got it for me. And maybe a little bit of, see, I told you I would do it. Maybe just maybe a little, little dash of that. Um, but that was a really huge decision. And, and that was one of the times that I was really impressed with my parents saying that that decision of mine was okay. You know, like there could, I had other friends whose parents would never have allowed that. I mean, so interesting to have that kind of gift that you also know is not a gift. You'll have the access to for the whole, your whole life, just physical limitations. And so if you're really going to fully dive into it, like to not hold back, I can see that's a difficult choice. It's a very difficult choice, but I'm going to see why you went where, where you went. How long were you a professional dancer? Until I was um, 25. Wow. I mean, that's both a long time and so it short-lived. It's, 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 yeah. It's a, it's a drop in the bucket of the life you've led. And yet it's probably incredibly transformative. And while you're there and you're meeting so many different kinds of people, did that give you any better sense of what you want to do next? Or did you really have to start from scratch no, to figure that out? Not at all. I never, I never, from, from, from a perspective of, I met amazing people and I gained um, qualities from them, meaning that I saw in them things that I wanted for myself. I wanted to learn certain skills or I wanted to acquire certain characteristics, like meaning, meaning the character, the integrity of someone or the, the values I, that I saw that I appreciated that I got from a lot of the people that I, that I danced with directors. Um, but 
I would never have guessed. Like if you were to ask me at, at the end of my career of dance, would would you ever be an author and a motivational speaker? I'd be like, what? I don't even know what that is. Like I had no idea what that is. So I had to then go back to college, and um, I started a business with with uh, my business today came on the heels of someone encouraging me, a mentor encouraging me to do it. And I didn't even know that entrepreneurship was a thing. I, it wasn't, I wasn't surrounded by entrepreneurs growing up. So, you know, it, it does have a lot to do with who you meet along the way. Um, and it all ties together, but sometimes you have to be there and looking back to see it. Tell me more about this mentor. Like, how, how did you find a mentor? I think it's one of those questions people always like, how do I find a mentor? But it sounds like here's a person who, who had your best interest at heart. Were, they were able to give you some good guidance uh, about how to sort of move forward in life. But how did you, how do you know you needed a mentor? How did you find a mentor? What, what does that even look like when you're not yet sure what you want to do in the world? Well, okay. So it was a, another interesting story. So I was at that time, I was in a sales position, right? And I was selling advertising and I was golfing with this, who was one of this gentleman who was one of my clients. And so I was fully immersed in this sales role. And I, I had this idea, right? Of something that I wanted to do with sales and service. And I was talking to him about it. And I think it was like the 15th hole where he's like, you know, you got to do this. And I'm like, you know what? I talked to the company. They're not quite ready for it yet, but I, I think I'm going to get, you know, I'll, I'll keep at it. And I think I'll get them to, to come along. And, and, and he stops me and he goes, no, you have to do this. And if that means that you have to leave your job and go start a business, I promise to be your first paying client. And if you do a great job, um, I will tell everyone I know to use you. And if you do a terrible job, I won't say a word. So it's pretty much a, a no risk situation. And so I was, I was floored because literally before this moment, I didn't know about entrepreneurship. I, I had no idea that I had the capacity to start a business, but I did it. I listened to him. I went out, I got my LSC, I did a plan together. I, and all within a very short amount of time because I had to put together the syllabus for this sales and customer service training that I created and then get, trained his people on. And then within a year, he followed through on his promise and he was part of a big CEO group. And he went into his group of CEOs, networking, Robbie, he went into his group of CEOs and he told everybody, he said, listen, Heather was amazing. She totally transformed my sales team. You all have to use her. And I can't even tell you how like my business exploded. It absolutely exploded. And this was around the time where you could pretty much ask for anything like that. They were throwing money at me. Now, it is not like that now for those of you out there in the world. It is way different. <laughs> but I was it was such a gift. It was such a gift. And um, we lost touch for a while. And then I ended up hunting him down and, and reminding him with a, with a heartfelt thank you and gift as to what a difference he made in my life. And he's the type of guy who's like, really? Like he must do this. This is just who he is. He does this all the time. That's so and, cool. you know, he was happy to hear that it made a great impact. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's interesting. 
I mean, we also, I guess on our own individual levels, could be like this guy in small ways, like just that profound impact we can have in someone's life without meaning to even realizing it at the moment. But um, there's so many pieces of the story that are sort of interesting. One, you ended up in a sales role from from a dancing background. You, <laughs> um, you went deep into the culture of it, including knowing how to golf. <laughs> so you're out there golfing with clients, right? Schmoozing. I, I was not, I was not good. As long as you know golf etiquette, if you're in sales, you're okay. Cause you're not supposed to beat the client. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's good. That's right. So, so right. You were willing to, to do something that was a little outside your comfort zone, which is particularly interesting given that you had spent so many years being really, really exceptional, right? You're, you're, you're used to being like particularly physically, you know, at the top of your game and here, you know, you have a sort of subpar golf experience, but you know that it's to a good, to a good use, like that. It's going to give you a chance to talk to these people. You're doing your schmooze. You're mentioning your ideas. You're thinking, I'll keep working this organization until they finally let me take this idea, you know, on on the run on the road. And he inspires you to do something else. I'm sort of curious, what year do you think it was? Do you remember the year that you decided to, to go into business? Um, 98. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. Like a really long time ago yeah. before most of the people listening were born. Oh, gosh, so what's interesting about, there was a side comment you sort of you know, jumped in there that I wanted to talk about, which is that before you went and built the content for your program for him, you decided you needed to become an LLC and have bylaws and da, 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 da. And these days, I would just tell everyone to stop doing all those things. Wait until you know you have a business before you go and yeah. spend time to make it formal. You just need, if anything, you need to doing business as an uh, account with your bank so someone can write you a check. But honestly, they can just pay you with your name. And it sounds like this guy did not care whether you were an LLC. He just wanted you to come help his business. I know. And if it was effective. He would have told everybody. I know. And I, and I just think because those things are confusing and take time. I, didn't, I mean, I only became an LLC in 2021. And I've been, you know, taking money since I don't know, eleven years. So, um, so it, it's sort of sort of interesting point that sometimes we we put the cart in the horse in the wrong order. But it's very common that you feel like, you, well, if we're going to do this, I would do this formally. I do this perfect because um, that's all you know. At what point did you start to sort of get get entrepreneurs in your so your social circle that you that you started to have that peer support that you know so many of us really need as we're building? Did did you? seek that out right away? Was there a network you joined? Yes, I I definitely had to through networking, through communities, through um, masterminds and things like that. I had to seek it out because I had so many questions. And, And oddly, my client base in this new business were mostly like C like C suite of companies that maybe weren't entrepreneurs themselves. So I had to go, when I had all these questions, I couldn't come and ask my clients. I had to find that um, through other resources, which I did because it's out there. We just have to, you know, be willing to open ourselves and ask the questions. 98, 99, 2000. I mean, my first time creating any kind of website was in 99. I was working on a graduate degree, a master in social work. And when I didn't want to do my, my work, I learned HTML and built websites <laughs> for fun. Um, so, I mean, this is, this is pre-social media. This is pre, uh, I mean, I had a, I had a web presence, uh, you know, 99 to 2003, no one had a web presence, mm. um, you know, and like, cause it was really hard to <laughs> figure it all out. Um, so you're talking about, you know, times of 
did you, did you have a postal mailing list back then? Like, were you doing things with stamps? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's so totally. different now. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Okay. It's amazing. Okay, so I'm going to totally embarrass myself. Right. So my first programs, you know, the binders, the big binders with, with cassettes and then CDs, like I upgraded to DVDs and CD, like, oh, I feel so ancient when I talk about this. If I showed you my old collateral material that I sent and how much money on postage, when all you have to do now is just put it up online and they could just click a button. It's so yeah. crazy. But, what- you know, honestly, Heather, that shows an incredible amount of resilience that you're still here doing this because it has in a lot of ways, communicating has become so much easier. Of course, no, no easier, but easier. Um, it's a little harder to stand out now, but it's it. I remember making those kinds of binders for, for board meetings back in the day. Um, and oh my God, the work you'd spend three weeks making these binders for these 13 people, you know, um, Ugh. one page had out of sync. Oh, we got to do a whole thing all over. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a lot. And, um, but for you to build up, you know, a business without any kind of entrepreneurship background, and then where did you first seek out entrepreneurs to be sort of part of your social network? Um, well, I started when I <laughs> When I would do like, you know, um, industry uh, networking events, I would seek them out. You know, here's something when I did, I don't know where I learned it. It just maybe came naturally. But whenever I would go to a networking function and now they're different too, right? Now we we have them on Zoom or wherever and, and they were in person, uh, you know, mostly over cocktail hours or these, these networking things, right? So I would go in with a specific goal every time I went to a networking function. And sometimes it was to connect with a particular client I thought or potential client that I thought might be there. Sometimes it was to find another resource. Maybe it was to find a vendor. Maybe it was to find someone who was an entrepreneur that I, that was maybe a couple of steps ahead of me, not too far ahead, right? Just a couple of steps ahead of me. So they might be willing to share just the next couple of steps. And so I would go in purposefully to those events with that in mind. And then I, I I haven't been a shy human being really. So I would just start talking to people and they probably thought I was nuts, but I would be like, so, you know, what's it like now that, you know, how long have you been in business and what's your biggest mistake that you ever made? What'd you learn from? And they're looking at me probably like I had four heads and now I ask these questions on my podcast, right? So, <laughs> You know, when the things that we did that was crazy in the past turns around and we can use it now. <laughs> well, I also think uh, we should underscore the intentionality that you have approaching these events. The, the, the idea of being like really focused on what your outcome you, you want and how the outcomes can diff- be different um, depending on, on the week and what, what you need in that moment for your business. I went into a conference uh, for the National Speakers Association about, I don't know, maybe four five years ago with the intention of learning about peer masterminds. I had an inkling of what they were. I had a lot of uh, accountability partners at the time that I met with one-on-one, but they, none of them were sort of at my level or beyond my level. And I felt like, you know, I need to be around a different community of people. I don't need to be held accountable. I need to be pushed. Uh, and so I asked everybody as I met them, Hey, are you in a peer mastermind? 
And have you ever been in one? Oh, well, why aren't you now? Or why were you? Or how did you find the people? Or what was your biggest mistake in setting it up? Or what do you wish you did different? Like exactly like you're saying, and by the end of that weekend, I found the first couple of people to be in a peer mastermind with me. And I've been running one ever since, right? That's so <laughs> that kind of, you know, you're like, I'm in a community of people here that I'd want to get to know better. Let's look at these, are the questions to ask. I think a lot of people are afraid to do it. Um, I could see a little bit of who you were when you were younger showing up in those conversations, <laughs> yeah. a little, a little brazen, maybe uh, <laughs> yes, a, a little who cares <laughs> about how people <laughs> see and perceive me because this is what I know I need. Yeah. Um, but I think we all could take a little of that and add it to the, to the formula for our own success. Um, and I, and the fact clearly you were good at some follow-up too, that you weren't just asking questions and collecting data points, but that you were leading those into relationships that you then nurtured over the time. Um, I'm curious these days, because, you know, now we've got to fast forward 20 years. This is, I mean, huge congrats that you've been at this for so long. I think it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, It's longevity. It's really hard to do um, because the ups and downs of this kind of work and how it keeps evolving. But when you think about nurturing people, you've got that sort of inner circle, you know, you're going to see them. That's doesn't, you know, it'll happen. But I always wonder about that second and third layers out that people you see once you're at a conference or you work with five years ago. The point is, Heather, you like these people. <laughs> these are people you'd want to stay in touch with. How do you think about that? How do you think about the, the nurturing and sustaining of those kind of connections? Do you have any habits or philosophies or practices that help you uh, stay in touch and top of mind? Yes. And you know, I'm so glad you asked this question because you're reminding me of practices that I used to do religiously, like all the time, like I was very good at it and I need to get back to those practices again. So thank you for the question. Um, But in particular, I like that you specify that these are people that you like, the people that you like to work with, that you enjoy, that you... So what I had, I had a habit and I believe it comes down to these habits and patterns, right? So I have habit, a pattern of quarterly going back through my, my client base. And then I had another folder because back in the olden days, (laughs) it was all paper. I had another folder of the, um, the potential clients that I think that, you know what, I think they could something's there. They just weren't ready. Right. And, and especially actually the clients. And I'll start with that one because it's super important. What I did that I think I didn't do consciously, I just did it. And it helped so much is I would quarterly, I would call them and like pick up the phone and call them and, and just say, Hey, how are you? You know, and, and if there's something that I saw an article you know, periodically I might send it to them or I would not ask them for business. I know that sounds really weird, but I would just call them to see how they were doing. Um, what's new? How's the family? Um, did so-and-so go off to college? What, you know, whatever it might be. And it was amazing. The percentage of people who would, before the end of the call, turn around and say, Hey, you know what? I'm so glad that you called because we just had a hiring blitz and, you know, we've got like 20 new people who really need to be trained on the same stuff that you trained us on last year. You think you could come in and put something like that together? Unbelievable percentage. And just because I didn't ask, I I called and I asked without asking, do you know what I mean? Like, I just cared, I guess is the, is the point. I, 
Um, and that was super, super effective. It's relationship building, yeah. right? You were having a conversation. You were talking about human life things or family, what's going on? How are they doing? Um, I also think that you didn't hesitate to reach out and, and reconnect. Um, I think now I'm curious if you would still do the same thing. Would you make any modifications given we're just not the like randomly call people culture anymore. I feel like we've really moved away from that. It's a lot of, like, even for me, like I, my, my direct number is not visible. Um, my, my Google voice number is, but my direct line is only if you and I have actually scheduled time together. Right. Um, so it's just sort of like this, you know, I think that's true for a lot of people. So how do you think about that now? How, if you were to restart this process, which I think is genius, uh, so simple, but I think it's so effective. What would you do the same or what would you do differently? Well, you know, it's really interesting that you say that yours isn't available. I will tell you that I have um, attempted and, and not strong enough because I'm telling you I need to get back to it. But I've attempted to do that very same thing and found a tremendous number of people that do not give you their phone number. That it's like nowhere to be found. And so... I do it now more in an email format, but it's not the same. It's not the same. I mean, people like it. People reply back to it, but it's not the same because people aren't always certain. And I do like an individual. It's not like a, a sales force or like some kind of autoresponder, you know, yes, for my newsletter or whatever that goes out automatically. But, but when I make a connection, I am me connecting with you, Robbie, one person in an email. And, but, but people don't know. Right. And the, the phone call was just infinitely more personal, more intimate. And, and I need to find a way to get back to that. I have an idea for you. Yes. I'll Two things. It. One is when you're actually in the client relationship is the time to get cell yeah, phone numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I'm realizing now I've gathered cell phone numbers. Every time I produce an event, I ask all the speakers, all the team members, I need your cell phone in order to set up a just in case text thread. So on spreadsheets somewhere, I've got all this information. We usually have these text threads and I then think, okay, I can save them all my phone. So, so that's one way to do it. It's not like their numbers are visibly on a website. But the other is video. I have found, um, and I use loom, but there's various bombbomb.com. There's various ways to do this. Um, you can do it on zoom and just like send the zoom link. I like, it's so easy loom, but I love the idea. I, I create like a quick video, um, to somebody and then sh- send that out. And, and one of the tips that I learned from someone um, to make them realize that this is not even a canned video is you can hold something up with their name on it. So oh. my, my friend has a whiteboard. And so he'll write someone's name on the whiteboard and hold that up so that, and he'll be waving. So that first, like the little gift that shows in the, in the email yes. initially, it yeah. has him waving and he's holding a little sign with the whiteboard with their name. So, Oh, what a good idea. Oh, great suggestions, Robbie. Thank you. You're welcome. And I, and I think that you're right. Like it's, it's the personal touch. We may have to be slightly different in how we make it personal, but we want people to realize we're talking to them. Um, I love this. Is there any other practices or habits that you do? Um, I know you said you have a, a, a regular newsletter that goes out, um, which is also kudos to you that you have a regular newsletter. <laughs> I, shouldn't, I shouldn't overlook that. It's actually a very good thing to have and a very good way to nurture people. Um, but there, is there anything else that you were doing or ha- are currently doing? Sure. I mean, well, there's the, the, 
the consistency I think is, is the key. So I have a consistent weekly podcast like, like yours, right? I have a consistent weekly uh, LinkedIn live. Now I have the monthly and newsletter because you, you, you track, you tweak, you ask questions. Do you, do you like it weekly? Do you like it bi-weekly? Do you like it monthly? What do you find out what your clients like? And then you give it to them. And my clients liked monthly. So we, I do monthly, right? And so it's about communication and it's about consistency in your communication. Um, so those are just a, a few of the things that I do. I like to um, also add in some impromptu stuff. So you know, if I, like I said, if I come across something that reminds me of a client, I find a way to get it to them, right? Whether I'm sending them something through the mail or whether I'm, I'm, you know, sending, oh, you're going to love Robbie's podcast. So, you know, episode so-and-so, no, it's not with me, but I just think you'd like this one, you know? So here it is. Um, when you're just thinking about people, I call them promptings and then actually follow through. Because we get these promptings all the time, but the follow through part is what we sometimes don't do, right? And so I get these things all the time and on a personal level too. Like if someone comes into my mind, okay, and if they come into my mind again, there's a reason and I am, I am now prompted to call them. And usually they will say something like, oh my gosh, I was just thinking about you. Or, oh, I just heard something. I just heard your name. Or, oh, were your, were your ears ringing? And I'm like, maybe they were. Maybe that's why you get, I don't know. But that I have to follow through on those because when I don't, um, I've been known to feel, you know, kind of like I've, I've let something fall through the cracks. Yeah, I think that... Um that taking action when you're prompted is a piece that some people could really work harder at. Um, you know, one of the things I've been doing lately is I, I really want to, I've been thinking about how to reconnect with people, right? I, that's just met so many amazing people in my life, particularly in the last few years. So if a name pops in my head, I write it down now. I just have a spot on my to-do list where I like the bottom left corner of my to-do list is relationships. So anything that has to do with, reaching out to someone, following up with someone, doing a favor for someone that they asked me to do, anything that would nurture a connection, I put down there. And there's always moments in my schedule that I don't have enough time to do a project, but I could look at that and take one action. So I know within a week I can get to, I can get to everything. I, I'm always so happy when I can look down. I'm like, wow, all the things I thought about, I did. But I do think there's just some intentionality and I used to actually have more times booked in my and my calendar to prompt me to take the action until it became a habit. Now I just have a, a Fridays at four Eastern uh, surprise and delight is on my calendar. And I know I've stolen this from Disney, <laughs> but I really like the idea of like, how can I do a little more? What is, what is the slightly above and beyond the expectations? Um, so I, I think about whether I've done that that week. And if, if I have any outstanding you know, notes on my, on my to-do list, that would be a time for me to take care of that. And I've been thinking a lot about systems. So I, I wonder if you use, I mean, I have, I have fallen in love and fallen out of love with CRMs over mm. and over and over again. Oh my gosh, me too. I've had such a love-hate relationship with them. I know. My oh. latest thing is to use postable.com, which has a free address book. And then I realized they have amazing greeting cards. And so now I just use that. Um, and that allows me to not hesitate to send a card to someone. 
Um, I don't have to go to the store and find the perfect card. I don't have to make sure I have stamps and you know, all that stuff. I don't have to worry about my handwriting, which has actually been a resistance of mine for years. So <laughs> how thoughtfully I have to write to make sure it's legible. Do you, what? How do you track people? Do you have spreadsheets? Do you have a CRM? Do you have a, a stack of index cards? Like, how do you know? So I'm in between systems right now where um, I was, I had, the, I, you know, I had the whole paper thing, but then we, we put them into uh, a CRM that wasn't really working. And so now I have my, um, my VA transitioning to a different CRM. And so I just feel I, I like I, I definitely could use some advice on how to optimize these, how to use them better you know, because I'm relying too much on my brain. And I might have had no problem with that 20 years ago when I started my business. But I think I need to rely less on my brain these days, you know? Yeah. My, um, my new book, um, Small List, Big Results, has a section there called Wake Up Your Network, mm-hmm. which is a whole process for you kind of culling through and prioritizing some people, not everyone, but some people in your network based on their connection to you, their influence in the world and their interest in generally what you do or what you'd want to talk to them about. And then using that to identify them as likely prospects or likely referral client, likely referral um, uh, for people or uh, fellow experts or coffee chats, et cetera. And so um, I, I've done that with varying lists. And my, my most recent list that I am now going through is the people that I scheduled a meeting with using my calendar link, my schedule once link. Other people use Calendly or Acuity. I discovered I could download a CSV file of all the people I've ever met with since 2015. I deduped it. And then I had 997 people that I had a at least 15 minute conversation with in the last five or six years. Uh, And I was like, this is an interesting list. This is like a subsection of people um, and so that's my newest list to kind of dive into. And oh, I thoughtful. love that. And I'm going to second the, you know, your, your book is fantastic. And I, I, in particular, really liked that specific exercise. I think it's great. And I do have, um, I don't want to call them prior. Like I have got people that, um, are my subset, my, my list of people that, that I are my go-to, like I, I yeah. have very strong relationships with, but I'm thinking more about the ones that are, you know, you had a conversation or, you know, not really sure where everything's going. And so, um, I'm going to check out my Calendly and see if I have the capacity to do that too. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you mm-hmm. do. And it could, it could help you, you know, freshen your mind about some people yeah. you, you hadn't thought of in a while that you wanted oh, totally. to connect with. Yeah. So we're, we're winding down our time together. And here's a question I always end with, which is, I, I love this question. It's, you know, we're, we're talking a year from now and I realize, well, it's been a year since I interviewed you, Heather. And I want to know, what are we going to be celebrating a year from now? What are we, what am I going to be toasting to you about? What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? Oh my goodness. I don't want to give away my secrets. I've got some big things planned, Robbie. <laughs> We are definitely going to be toasting in a year. So, um, gosh, I will have another, like I'm just launching my new book now, and I will have another book that I can't tell you the name of in within that year and um, a very cool additional thing that goes along with it. That is a, um, a giving contribution project. Uh, a give back to the world project. Super um, intriguing. 
it's, it's, it's been uh, a seed in my heart for some time and it's finally it coming to fruition. Um, so I'm really excited about it. Wow. Tell us about the name of the book that is, I mean, by the time people hear this, this book will have been out already. So yes, it, yes. we can already congratulate you on that success. Thank Tell you. us more about Thank this you. book. Toast, toast, toast. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about this new book. It's Where's the Office? Moving Today's Leaders from What Is to What Can Be. It's the first of my three books that I co-authored with someone. And this is the amazing Will Lewis, who is... Um, at the time of this, probably 93 years young and um, an amazing fireball. Um, <laughs> lots of experience that we added of his into the book, as well as um, the work that in um, validating it with the clients that I have. So we were a great uh, collaboration to get out some proven strategies for leaders with that book. That's amazing. What an incredible story, even around the collaboration. Um, that's, that's, it's great that you were able to bring that all together. I can't wait to celebrate all this with you. I mean, it sounds like you're, you've got a lot of good stuff cooking right now. Um, I'm excited for people to go check out this new book of yours. Where's the office. Thank you so much for this great conversation. How can people find you and follow your work? Okay. Well, um, you, Heather Hansen O'Neill, you can get me pretty much anywhere. Like, you know, if you put it into Instagram, into Facebook, into LinkedIn, the website is Heather Hansen O'Neill. Um, but you can also go to wheresetheoffice.com. Um, and I think that's pretty much the easiest way. One of those two. Brilliant. We'll have all these links, uh, in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Heather, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Thanks, Ravi. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Heather. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 271. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which are your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. And don't forget to subscribe for free yourself so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. I look forward to connecting again next week. We'll be interviewing another talent professional who's achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.